following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome back, everybody, to another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines, episode 26. Uh, I've been solo the last couple weeks, but last couple episodes, we're not solo, head guests, but back with us, ready to rock and roll, Matt Keogh. Matt, Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Where you been? I know you had you had vacation with uh, with your girlfriend. Vacation and then possible COVID exposure. Oh, so. possible vid. All clear, though, right? All oh, clear. Yeah. yeah so. Beautiful. Uh, where'd you guys go? Ithaca. No, All right. Nowhere fancy. Just a nice little, nice little weekend. Nice little. Yeah. Yeah. Went hiking in the winter, like woodscape there. It was pretty. Hey, that's what it's all about. I, you know, we had our nice little trip to Jamaica, which yeah, was fun. Two, two different little trips. <laughs> we, we, I listen, I don't like, I don't like the cold. I know I grew up in Buffalo. I do not like the cold. So any chance I can get to go somewhere warm, I'm taking it. The wife was like, we want to go down to Jamaica. I'm like, yes. So, um, you know, did a little coach's no-no, kind of took a little mid-vacation in the season, but didn't miss any meets, just missed three practices. Um, but we're, we're, we're all rolling. Um, and with us today is our guest, Mr. Andrew Williams. Andrew, Drew. Do you like Andrew or Drew? Andrew. All right. I was going to say, I think when I first met you, I called you Drew, and I think you kind of very nicely said, let's go with Andrew. I mean, Drew's better than Andy, and for some reason, people seem to like to call me Andy, even after I remind them not to. Really? So Andy's better than Drew? I would think Drew no, would be... No, no, like I prefer or Drew. I prefer Drew over Andy, but I definitely want to go by Andrew. All right. Now, was that always, or is that more like a professional, like when you got into teaching coaching, was that more like a professional, hey, call me Andrew? No, I mean, my, my parents always said that if anybody called me Andy, I'd go by my middle name because there seems to be a famous uh, singer by the name of Andy Williams. There's uh, quite oh, a famous true. Christmas song. Very true. All so, right. No, just what I've grown up with. Kind of like the guy from Office Space, Michael Bolton, but he oh, goes yeah. by Mike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like that. All right. And Andrew is a lacrosse coach over at Grand Island. Um, you were telling me earlier before we started, you know, you started off at JV, then dropped to Modified, and now you're, you're the big man. You're taking over the varsity program. This will be your first season as varsity. Uh, talk to us a little bit how you got started in Grand Island. So uh, I moved to Buffalo for grad school, and once grad school ended, um, I was looking for something that would be able to you know, keep me here in Buffalo, and a job opening came up as a teacher in Grand Island, and so I applied and got it, and then I was reaching out to people saying, like, hey, I play lacrosse, you know, I'm interested in helping on the program however possible, and then closer to the season, I got a call back from the coach saying like, Hey, we need someone. Our JV coach is going on paternity leave. He is having twins. He definitely can't do the season at all. So, you know, things fell into place pretty nicely. I was able to hop into the JV team. Um, and then, yeah, after that he came back. So they needed somebody to modified. Their modified team wasn't doing very well. I think they had like one win in four seasons. 
Ooh, that's, so, not, that's uh, not that great. Yeah. The seniors last year, when I was asking them what their favorite memory was, a lot of them were like, oh, yeah, that coach's first win ever. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Uh, but, yeah, and now, you know, I get to move up, you know, some big shoes to fill for, uh, you know, Steve Steck, legendary Grand Island coach. So, Sweet. You know, we'll see how it goes. Well, listen, I'm sure you're, you're going to start making your mark now. We're going to talk a little bit about legacies later on. Uh, we'll definitely talk more lacrosse and everything, but first, we're going to come in hot, and gentlemen, it's playoff time. It's playoff time, and I'm, I can't wait. Um, it's it's going to start Saturday with the wild card. What is it called now? It's not the wild card. The super wild card. Super wild card. Super wild card, wild weekend. card weekend. Yeah. Um, I'm so looking forward to that, but before we talk about that, fantasy football championships. <laughs> fantasy football championships. Matt? You you won me a championship, Matt. You're welcome. You won, uh, Andrew. We had I'm, I'm in the league with you. Before we get into that, we had a league here. The draft was on the day of my honeymoon, so I'm pretty I'm I'm pretty sure if I would have missed that draft or made that draft instead of the honeymoon, it would have been a very short marriage. Yes. <laughs> so sure. so Matt um, Matt very kindly came to the uh, stepped up did the draft for me, and Matt, I mean. Matt GM'd me a championship. Matt, tell us a little bit about that draft. Uh, first ever fo- <laughs> fantasy football draft. I was going to say, first ever. First ever. Had no clue what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> I was picked last, so I picked last and then first, so I actually worked out pretty well. Um, and I think I gave you, like, I didn't even realize it was on my honeymoon. I think I gave you, like, maybe a week's notice. Yeah. Like, I kind of was looking at the calendar, and I forgot when the draft was, and I was more focused on the honeymoon, obviously. Clearly. Um, Vicky listens, so don't worry, hon. I was more focused on the honeymoon. And I just happened to one day look and be like, oh, that's the same day as the draft. So I called Matt up. Like, I think I gave, I, I gave you maybe a week's notice. Yeah. yeah. And just like a true champ. Just rocked it. Everybody was giving like I was. I'm going to pick this, and everybody was like, "Why?" And I was like, "I don't know what I'm doing." Like, <laughs> like I thought it was good to pick these kind of people, but and then I just played around with it because I don't know. I had nothing to lose. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. I think I kind I the first like six weeks of the season I didn't check anything. Yeah. Like I didn't check lineups. I think the only time this year I made one change, and it almost backfired, is when I dropped. Um, uh, not Delvin Cook, but his backup from Minnesota, Matt, uh, yeah, Madison. Oh, yeah. And I, was I dro- so pissed. When I, I dropped that. him because I'm like, all right, Delvin's back from injury. We don't need him. But then Delvin got out, and Madison had to start like the next week, and it was playoff first game of the playoffs. And I'm like, ooh, that's so why pissed. I don't touch the thing. I was so mad. I was just like, why is he gone? Where'd he go? He did well for me. I gotta say, I had that exact same situation for Steve. Really? In the park camp draft. Yeah, in our in our other league. I had to do that for Steve. And yeah. That's right. That's how you got into our league, wasn't it? Because yeah. you drafted for Steve and then we yeah. just invited you in the next year. And I didn't I didn't do so hot. He, I mean I think in the end he did okay, but like looking back throughout that season, like some of the players I drafted, like I thought they were supposed to be good. And then I was like, No, you they know what though? Not. It might have been one of Steve's best years. Steve has I been think it was actually we, we said that. Steve was one of the we've done this league now since two thousand three. 14, I think 13 or 14 was our first league where we did the, the park camp league. Steve has, he, he's never won it. Steve has never made the playoffs. Steve has finished last three times. 
Talk, four times. Talk about a legacy. Oh, Steve Lulu, has a legacy. Lulu champ. Steve has a legacy. We're we're gonna mention <laughs> we're gonna mention legacy later, but Steve has a legacy. I think the highest he's finished, um, maybe third from the bottom. Um, yeah, and I hey, I finished last one year, so um, I can't I can't talk smack. I won it last year. I Kurt whooped my butt in the finals this week. Yeah, I was the here's here's how brilliant I am at fantasy. Um, yeah, Jamar Chase, I had him on my bench when he racked off 50 points. Um, and I decided to bench him for Antonio Brown, who got me a 4.7 points before he decided to just go peace and, uh, <laughs> and leave. So yeah, that was my brilliant fantasy prediction. Um, but yeah, I love fantasy playoffs and let's get into the real playoffs though. Um, I, I there is, is there anything better than this time of year, playoff football. Like, just with the Bills going through that 18, 19, 30, 40-year drought, whatever the heck it was, it's just the last couple years, it's made me just appreciate playoff football. It's fantastic. It's invigorating. It is. I love this time of year. It gives me heartburn. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, we are going to beat the bricks off of the Patriots. Are we? We are. We're playing Belichick in the playoffs. We've never had this experience. Belichick before. doesn't have Brady anymore. Who cares? It took a sixty mile an hour wind for him to beat us without Brady. True. And we still almost beat him if it wasn't for a, a no call in the end zone. I was gonna say I was kind of surprised the second time around he didn't just replicate the same exact strategy. Yeah, I'm too. Like limiting Jones to three throws worked. Why you not? know what, though? And they were talking about this on the radio, and um, Mac Jones has n- played like garbage ever since. I wonder if that got into his psyche a little I think bit. we ruined his confidence. <laughs> I mean, no, I think the, the team, hey, we don't have faith in you. All we want you to do is hand off. Hand off. We only want you to throw three times. I mean, how do you tell your starting quarterback who's supposed to be the next Tom Brady, the next franchise, what, they're, what are they calling them, the mini goat or the baby goat? I don't know. Um, and tell him, listen, just throw three times. I thought it was going to be zero for a while there. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. They're like, he's only thrown three times for three completions. Like, congratulations. I can do that. <laughs> That's what I mean. No, he didn't even hit three completions. Didn't he only complete like one of them or two of them? I mean, I thought he had a perfect pass, like perfect passing rating that, that game because he only threw three and uh, a little short passes. But it's just, that's ridiculous. Like, I don't know. I just want to see like. Bill Belichick make that face again like he did like two, a couple weeks ago with a big frown on his face. Yeah, but doesn't he have that when he wins too? No, it's true. <laughs> and then uh, Andrew, your Eagles yeah. somehow snuck into the somehow. playoffs this year. Like it looked beginning of the beginning of the year, it looked like they were going to be left for dead. I mean, I got to say we coming into the season, we just kind of assumed it was a blow off year. You know, nobody really had a ton of faith in Jalen Hurts. We assumed that he was, you know, like a Band-Aid, and just kind of going to, you know, do okay, you know, beat the bad teams, lose to the good teams, and then, you know, maybe a season or two until we can, I don't know, trade for Russell Wilson. Kind of like the transition or, quarterback. you know, as long as uh, Watson, you know, is legally clean, then maybe pick him up. <laughs> that but, might be a big if. Well, yeah. And somehow he stuck in there, and then there was a quote-unquote controversy with Gardner Minshew against the Jets. Oh, yeah, yeah. Minshew came in for a game or two and was was rocking it. But yeah, I mean, you know, fall our way into the playoffs and uh, go up against the Bucks and 
cross my fingers and see what happens. <laughs> and that's and that's uh, you know you get it seems like whatever level whatever sport it is hockey baseball football basketball. You get teams that get into the playoffs and, all right, these are the legitimate contenders. And then you get the teams that are just, hey, we're happy to be here. We're happy to, we're, we're happy to just be in the dance. Um, that was us a couple of years ago. That was us, that was us when we yeah. broke the drought with, you know, with Tyrod. Uh-uh. I don't care. You know, that, that first loss to the Jaguars in that playoff game, that was our Super Bowl. Hey, thanks. Thanks. We're, you know, thanks for the invite. Yeah. Um, but no, now it feels like Buffalo's like, listen, if we don't make the Super Bowl, it's – it's a awful season. Can we agree that I forgot that Tredavious White played for us for a little bit because it was just like <laughs> one of our best what like secondary players. I was like, I forgot he plays for us. The only game that I think he would have like, I love Trey White. Got so a Trey I. White jersey. I think he's going to be fantastic. Not going to be. He is fantastic. But the only game because just because of the quarterback and the passing teams that we played at that it so really hurt us was Tampa Bay. Yeah. I think if he was on, I think if he was at that game on Tampa, it's a totally different game. I'm not necessarily saying I'm not going to be super fan and say, "Oh yeah, we win." If he's, I don't necessarily think that, but I think it would have been a totally different game. Yeah, I think it would have been a different game plan, and I think we it it would have been. I mean, we again lost by a controversial no call in the end zone, but I think it could have gone the other way. I think he was. I think that maybe hurt us a little bit. That's valid. I mean, Tampa Bay has Tampa Bay has had some weird games though. So I mean, hey, they almost I, lost to the Jets. I think the I think the Eagles could beat them because they got shut out to nine nothing by the New Orleans, which was also an injury ridden team. Where Tom Brady a broke surprise. a uh, tablet on the sideline and had a child temper tantrum. Yeah, so and everybody you know applauded him for his passion. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love it when 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 <laughs> when other guys like if Jalen Hurts or, or Josh Allen were to do that. Oh, look at the young kid; he doesn't know how to handle the pressure. Tom Brady does it. That's how we need to see more of these kids play. Like passion. Where's that passion? You got to cheat for a while, win a couple Super Bowls, and then you can <laughs> swear all you want on the sidelines. It, it, you're absolutely right, though. It is. It was like, oh well, Brady does it. It's passion. Even Patrick Mahomes, he could do that and get away with it. You think he's at that level, yes. or do you think that's oh. where you think it would have gone to? Oh, the pressure's finally getting to Patrick. I, I think I think that's what it would have happened. They would have said, "Oh, this kid," especially because of the season last year. And then he's doing better this year, obviously, but still, like, oh, he, he's not the same as he was, you know? Something. Yeah, I think he's still too. I think five years down the road, Mahomes can get away with that. I think now he's still a little too too young, and he's only you know fifth year in. I think he's still a little too young. Who cares? I hate him, and I hope his career goes down the tubes. <laughs> See, I don't have that hate for him yet that I did for Brady. Um, I think it will come, though. I think it will definitely come. It makes those games when we play Kansas City like 10 times more exciting for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm already looking forward to the second-round matchup. I'm already looking forward to us. So so statistically, I was doing this while I was shoveling today. If Baltimore, Baltimore has the bye, and then if they lose against whoever they play— and we beat Kansas City or Baltimore. Baltimore is not, not in the playoffs. I'm sorry. Yeah, Baltimore's got a bye. They've got a Tennessee, five round bye. Tennessee. I'm yeah. sorry. Tennessee. Baltimore's got the bye all the way to next preseason. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Consultation trophy. <laughs> the consultation one. He's like over there. No. Um, Tennessee loses, and if Kansas City loses, we could. Oh, we could host the, the AFC, AFC championship. championship. Absolutely. I was like thinking about it. I was like, oh yeah, we could. That, and, that would be wild. That would be crazy. I'm telling you, I'm, and I'm making this prediction now. 
I'm saying Buffalo is hosting Cincinnati in the AFC Championship game. If Cincinnati game. makes it to the AFC Championship game, I'd be so happy. For I them. think they're going to beat the Raiders. I think the yes. Raiders, it's going to be a close game, but I think the Raiders, I mean, it was such an emotional game on Sunday. I think they have that that little bit of a drop. I think they they take out the Raiders, and then I'm still not sold on Tennessee. I think I think Henry having Henry coming back is going to be huge. Yeah. But you're coming back from that a list Frank injury, that type of an injury. I mean, that's normally what like a, a four to six month injury, and he's coming back in about two months or less. That's I think tough. he's coming back a little early, and I I just he's going to be good. I just don't think he's going to be Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry yet. And I think without that, I th- I don't think Tennessee can beat Cincinnati. And then that's where I think back too. Who didn't Julio Jones come back? I think so. I think he's still questionable right now, but I think they're. I think he's planning on playing. Um, I just don't. I. I. I don't think even with even with a healthy Henry, with Burrow finally clicking with his weapons, I don't think Tennessee is going to be able to match that though that output. That's fair. So I'm. I'm saying it's going to be Buffalo, Cincinnati. AFC Championship. Yeah, but what, the, what about the NFC? There's another half of that that we have to like thank. Like, you know what? Because our guest is here, and I like being nice to our guests, I'm going to say it's Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia-Dallas. Oh, I don't really? even know if that's mathematically possible, but uh, Philadelphia-Dallas. I can't think of it in my head. Not even Packers? Number one seed? All right, we'll go Philadelphia-Green Bay. I mean, I, I appreciate the, the, kind, <laughs> the kind of pandering, but... Uh. <laughs> That's a little pandering. No, honestly, if I had to say honestly, NFC... Actually, we'll, we'll let Andrew we'll let, the, we'll let Andrew take care of the NFC for us. Andrew, what do you think, honestly, NFC? I mean, it's tough. Being a Philly fan, I absolutely despise Dallas. However, you can't like deny the success that they've had, but they're so random. They are very like, inconsistent. That, that huge loss to Arizona, who was playing crappy on their own. Yep. You just, you just never know, you know, who's what's going to show up, you know, if Zeke's past his prime or if he's going to play or, you know, if they're going to let Pollard run it or, you know, just throw the ball to CD lamb and just let him do his thing. He was another fantasy bust for me in the championship. Ooh. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to you know be that guy and be like, oh, yeah, Eagles all the way. No, I I don't. If the Eagles win against the Bucks, great. I don't think it'll happen. But, I mean, you can't. I, I had uh, um, I had Devontae. Um, Devontae Smith? No. No. Uh... I wanted Devontae Smith, but I had Devontae Adams as my first overall pick in fantasy. And so he did great for me. He's, if not the best receiver right now, he's one of the best receivers. And, yeah. I mean, you know. Rodgers can't do a whole lot wrong, even even Very when it comes true. to vaccination status. He still can't do a whole lot wrong. Uh, well, Im- immunized. Immunized? What sorry. did we say he was immunized? Yes. Use the correct terminology. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it'll be – I think Green Bay will get there as much as a lot of people, you know, just aren't fans of Rodgers. I guess Dallas, if they can pull it together and, you know – they got they, right. they got they got momentum after this big win. I I've been li- I, I listen to a bunch of Eagles podcasts and they've just been laughing at how hard the Cowboys were celebrating 
for crushing the Eagles fourth stringers that they picked up off the street. And that game was close for a little bit there. That game for was close. For the first half, I I was very shocked and thought it was going to be a close game. Yeah. And then for some reason, you know, the starters played like starters and beat up on the guys they just pulled off practice rosters. Pretty much. Other teams practice rosters and so if they you know if they can carry that momentum, then I think they could win it. At least get to the the NFC Championship. I agree. Um, I just I was kind of rooting for this last year. Once Buffalo got beat by Kansas City, do you think we're ever going to see the State Farm Super Bowl, the Rogers <laughs> versus Mahomes? I mean, the that, State Farm Super Bowl that would be advertising gold for them. Oh my God, that would be fantastic. If, I, if that happens, it would prove in my mind that the NFL is rigged. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd be like, all right, I'm done with football forever. <laughs> Uh, I don't know about rigged, but I that would be I I could just see the commercials. I mean, it, I think that's what State Farm they were like. Listen, let's go NFC, let's go AFC, let's get a Super Bowl, and I, I, Buffalo's gonna Buffalo's gonna ruin it for them this year. I could see a Green Bay Buffalo Super Bowl. My pick preseason though was Buffalo LA Buffalo Rams, oh, yeah. but um, which not, still could happen. It's but, not looking likely. I know LA's been kind of playing. Uh, They've they've been regressing lately. Um, last thing, and and then we'll get into our the 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 heat of our discussion. Can I say I'm never picking Christian McCaffrey for fantasy football ever isn't, again? Isn't he getting released this year? Too? I have I hope so. He's getting released from my team for fantasy. Um, I had the number one overall pick. I figured, all right, he's coming off. I know he's had some injury issues the season before. I was like, this nope, he's healthy. He sat out all last year. He's ready to go. I think all season long he played maybe four games for me. I mean, just he's been injured what every like season basically. Yeah, so far. Like, now, it's like the three. offensive JJ Watt. Yeah, basically. Now, do you consider him a bust, an NFL bust? I mean, this is this is what his sixth year in the league, fifth yeah. or sixth year. When he's healthy, he's obviously one of the best players in the league, but. I don't think Can he's you stay healthy? For the last two. No, he's played. Uh, he played his first two years without really many injury concerns. That third season is when he went down half of the year. He played what two or three games last year, three or four games this year. Do you consider a player like that a bust? In running back, yes. If he's a running back, then yeah. Yeah, running backs tend to have more of a, a you know shorter shelf life, like yeah. just. You know, being being in the NFC East, listening to all this stuff about Saquon, like you know, Saquon was touted as like you know the the next like Jesus Christ of running backs. And you know, when's the last time he did anything really good? Pretty and much. If you're talking about busts, like that, that's a bust right there. Yeah, but when's the last time anybody on the Giants that's, team has done anything really good? It's true. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> true. Um, now we're gonna get into the cross. Now, now, Andrew, you played in college. Uh, where'd you get, where'd you play in college? So I went to Grove City College. Okay, it's a small private school, just uh, like an hour south of Erie, Pennsylvania. Okay, and you played there. Obviously, you played in high school. Um, no, actually, really? <laughs> yeah. So when I tell people that, they're usually kind of shocked. Um, I played hockey, ro- roller hockey, uh, most of my life, and in high school, and I learned about lacrosse probably like eleventh or twelfth grade, and my high school was really good. And so I thought, like, eh, nothing's going to come of that. I'm not making the team. Um, I'll just goof around in the backyard with my dad. 
And so I had one of those like $30 sticks that you buy from, you know, Dick's Sporting Goods and we'd throw around and whatnot. Um, and then I go off to college and, uh, you know, I'm hanging out with, you know, my friends on, on the, on the floor in the, in the dorm. And, uh, there's a couple of lacrosse players. Two of the RAs were lacrosse players and a couple of the other freshmen were lacrosse players. And they were like, Oh, you're a hockey player. You know, you're pretty athletic. You know, you, you have a stick. You should, you you should try it out. And I was like, eh, no, no, maybe, maybe, maybe next year. And they're like, no, no, you should definitely come out. Um, and you know, lacrosse is a spring sport. So this was in the fall. And I, I decided, I was like, sure. And you know, this at Grove city, it wasn't, it's, it's not a varsity sport. So it's not NCAA. It's a club sport uh, through the, the MCLA, um, men's, men's collegiate lacrosse association. And you basically have to pay your way through it. And, uh, you know, there's D1 and D2, and we were D2, and um, we had a lot of not lower level talent. We had some really good talent, but um, we were short on numbers, and they needed athletes, they needed bodies, um, and it wasn't super expensive out of the entire league. Like our school had like the cheapest startup costs, and so I talked with my parents, and you know, they were able to help me out, uh, try it out, um, and you know, I didn't play a lick that first season. I think I, Oh, no, the story I tell my players is one of the games I actually got in, we were playing Carnegie Mellon, who was absolutely terrible. Sorry. (laughs) And, um, we were up by a bunch. They put me in and, uh, there's a loose ball sitting around the crease and the goalie's like on the ground and the balls are in front of me. So I pick it up. I'm literally five feet from the goal and I wind up as hard as I can and whip it. And it hits off the post. (laughs) <laughs> and it's a wide open net too so like i wasn't very skilled but i tell my players like i put in the work you know during my free time i'd hit the wall and i'd practice and eventually i became a starter my senior year and you know, fell in love with the game i don't know how much i would have enjoyed college if it wasn't for lacrosse and you know i've grown to play after and coaching now and you know hopefully i can get my kids into it and yeah it's kind of just a big part of my life now that's awesome no i had no idea that you didn't play in high school i I knew before you had played in college um so i mean with your friends but once you got into the season and this kind of get into our passion for it like like what was that driving force like what um all right you made the team freshman year you know a couple of your buddies got it but what kind of kept you going like what what was it that really made you want to, hey, let me see, can I be a starter? Let me see, can I coach? Like, what got you into that? Um, so it was, it, I don't want to say it was low stakes, um, because like I said, we had some really good players. We actually were able to go to the national championships um, my my freshman year and my senior year, which is a pretty cool okay. way to bookend my college career. Um, you know, we, and, and we won in the first round and lost in the second round both years. Um, but just the group of guys that I was with, I went to a Christian school. And so there was a a big, you know, fellowship aspect of it. And, you know, we're, we're a family and, you know, we help each other out. And there was, you know, the religious component where we're, you know, we're praying for each other, lifting each other up. So that was a really cool thing. Cause that was something I was looking for out of college. Um, and just the, um, I guess brevity almost The, the fact that, you know, we were able to go and, you know, 
just have fun and and work out at the same time and um the the upperclassmen made it accessible for guys like me cuz like i said we were low on numbers so they wanted athletes and um you know i i got my huge growth spurt freshman year of college so i'm still waiting for my growth spurt <laughs> it's coming it's yeah. coming next decade next decade but i mean i you know i got my growth spurt and you know i was one of the you know, taller guys there, I, I packed on some muscle hitting the gym a bunch. And so they embraced having me there and it's a fun sport. It's, it's super fun. And being a hockey player, the transition is super easy. It, it's say, did you notice a lot of the strategies similar or? Um, I don't know about strategies so much. Um, cause the positioning is a bit different, but just like, having to control a hockey stick and, you know, using your wrists a bunch kind of translates well to holding okay. a lacrosse stick. I could see even in like the eye or hand-eye coordination exactly. too. Exactly, hand-eye coordination. I'd say if anything, strategic-wise, basketball defense and lacrosse defense. Now, I'm not a, I, I'm not a big basketball guy, but from what I've been told and the stuff I've learned about lacrosse okay. throughout the years, they say basketball defense transitions extremely well, well into lacrosse defense. So any okay. of you basketball players out there, you know, pick up a lacrosse stick. Sweet. Um, no, that's awesome. Now, did you, um, obviously most college, uh, most college athletes, like whatever the sport is, they know going into that, Hey, I'm a, I'm an outside midfielder. I'm a center midfielder. I'm a quarterback and whatever. Did you, did you find it hard to just kind of find what spot you were going to play, whether it was offense, defense, um, goaltender. I don't think you tried out for goaltender. Did you, did you kind of find it like it took a little time to figure out, Hey, where do I fit? on the field position wise? Um, not so much. Um, mainly because they already had their established players on the defense. They had their, their goalie. Um, they had two goalies actually. They had their, their starters on the defense and, and defense use a, a, a longer stick. So I didn't, I didn't have that. That wasn't something I was, um, you know, interested in. And then on the attack, they already had their, you know, their, their starting players as well. Um, so pretty much, you know, a lot of people just kind of fall into the midfield okay. and, um, you know, run up and down and play a little offense, play a little defense. Um, and so that's kind of where I got stuck. Um, and then progressing up, we had a coaching change into my junior year and senior year. Um, and that coach throughout my junior year realized kind of my uh, skill set would be better off as an attackman. And so going into my senior year, he kind of made that switch. I started training a little bit differently, and um, I was able to have a lot more success um, in a more specialized position. But, um, you know, I'd, I'd say with my players now, I, I want them to try all these different things. I got so many kids that want to play attack, and I'm like, well, you're going to take some defensive midi runs because you need to know how to play defense if you ever get stuck there. And honestly, you might not get playing time on attack. So, uh, I, I think that being able to look at all those different positions is is really key. And I, I like picking up a defensive stick now. You know, I do it sometimes, you know, in you know, adult leagues, pick up a defensive pull and play some defense and you know, nice. take the ball away from someone else. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, um you said you had to train a little bit like switching from uh midfield to, to attack. Was it more of like I'm just gonna base it on soccer, like I'm I'm guessing it's more of where you had to do a lot more speed work. Uh, like, is it attack where you've got to be more like quicker, more agile than a, than a midfielder? Like, what's the different training? What would you say would be like the different training wise that you had to switch over? I mean, I'd say it really depends on your specific style because for lacrosse, you can be um, a, a very different attackman from the guy you're playing with. 
And so there's attackmen who are extremely quick. Um, you know, there's this guy, Mikey Sowers, who played at Princeton and then Duke. He's extremely quick. He's got fast feet. He'll break any defender's ankles, and that's his play. He'll break your ankles and beat, beat you with speed. And there's other guys who are more physical attackmen. And so they'll they'll post up, you know, like like Zion in basketball. Okay. They'll just post up and back someone down and then step away and get a hard shot. Um, I'm more the kind of guy that kind of floats around in the crease, and I always pr- would pride myself on any ball that came my way, I'm going to catch it, and I'm going to put it in the net. And so my training was more so um, working on uh, subtle movements between the defenders because you got all the defenders in closer towards the net and finding those open spaces and, and within the play, being able to find those seams where um, you know a defender might look me off and I can get my stick free and, and catch and finish or you know setting a pick for another attackman so he can get the ball. So that's kind of what I based my my training on. Um, I mean, like I said, it was more of a club team, so we weren't you know hitting the weight room every yeah. single day, and, and we weren't like running miles and sprints all the time. I mean, we were doing workouts, but my, during practices, besides like the basic team drills, my stuff was more like you know having someone behind the net, and I would just be constantly moving around, getting open, catch, finish, catch, finish, catch, finish. Okay. Um... How did you feel about making that transition from midi midi to attack? Were you like I know some guys, and and I'm glad you said it because I've got I, I've got uh, some of my soccer athletes where the second I say hey we need you to move from outside mid into the center mid and they get that you know deer in headlights look some of them but coach I've only played outside or coach I've only played forward and we we teach them the same way listen we want you to know a little bit of everything so in case we need you to move there we need you to move there but did you find it like super difficult or did you just kind of like, Hey, let's, let's roll with it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we, I talked with my coach and um, it was more so this change would honestly give me more playing time, you know, as we had some big, strong, fast guys in the midfield that could, you know, take, take a defender and, you know, juke him and, and run by him and shoot on the run. And, I wasn't as skilled at that. And, you know, I would go up against someone and I wasn't able to get as much separation as somebody else. And, you know, in goofing around and in different practices, my coach would realize that, you know, I could catch a lot of difficult passes, you know. And so the speed might not have been my forte, but the catching, you know, a ball that was a little bit too high or a little bit to the other side, I was able to catch those. And so he kind of saw that potential in me and talked me through it and, the uh, you know the light bulb went off in my head that yeah this this works for me I I have success at this and I was able to get more playing time because that led from me being like a backup or you know a second string midi to starting attack okay and so I you know who doesn't want to play so no that's I, that's he, why you're there yeah he laid it out and I was like this is a win 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 and you know I'm I'm all for it sweet um. Now, do you think just even having that, like you said, you, you started at mid, went to attack, um, has that kind of helped you out in your coaching career? Like um, JV, Modified, now Varsity, do you think that's kind of helped you out a little bit um, as, you know, doing strategies, doing uh, running practices and coming up with practices? I mean, a little bit more so it's come from, you know, just watching the game a lot and, and playing, um, you know, post-collegiately like, you know, in adult rec leagues, 
um, just playing around, um, you know, watching college lacrosse, professional lacrosse, um, especially because, you know, in college we had, you know, certain plays, we had sets that we would run and coaching high school, I'm more so trying to teach them, you know, the, some of the intricacies of different movements and how, like, instead of just running this play, let's work on if this player does this, how can you react to help him and help you? Um, and so that's kind of what, you know, I was talked through with some of the other coaches I was coaching with that, like, you know, this is going to be more beneficial to the kids instead of just saying, all right, let's go run uh, x-ray and, uh, you know, this kid's always setting the pick or this kid's always making that pass, you know, let's, let's work on situational awareness. Um, and so from watching games, uh, collegiately, professionally, um, even youth games from, you know, watching YouTube videos on the internet, um, you know, reading books, all of that has kind of helped develop, you know, the things I do, the way I run my practices. Okay. Um, and now that you've been at, I mean, you've been at the JV level, you've been at the modified level, um, you're going to be at the varsity level this coming spring. Um, what are some of the differences that you've noticed just as a coach at those different levels? Like, is it, um, or do you do you approach practices and everything kind of the same way, philosophy style, at at the modified level, at the JV level, going into the varsity level? Like, it, what are some of the differences? I'd say modified, especially on Grand Island, we are still kind of building our 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 youth program. I'll say we're we're still working on building our youth program. Grand Island has a lot of kids that play soccer from a young age, play football from a young age, play baseball, and so we're still working on getting little kids into lacrosse. And so on modified, every year for seventh and eighth graders, I'll have you know, a, a couple of core seventh graders that have played before. I'll have a couple of core eighth graders that have played before. And then I got to recruit kids. I got to tell them to get their friends to come in, you know, kids who didn't make the baseball team or, or football players who are just sitting on their butts or basketball players that aren't doing anything. And they tend to all be the eighth graders. And then they move on the next year. I got to do the same thing. So seventh and eighth grade was recruiting a lot of kids that haven't played before, really teaching them the game, getting them to enjoy the game and learn the basics. Whereas on the JV and varsity level, it's more so you've been playing this for a while. Um, let, let's hone in those specific skills and, you know, kind of like we were talking about before, let's work on, you know, building a good program, winning games, getting to the championships. Um and so setting up your practices, um, you know, on the, mod- on the modified level, you're focused more so on little individual drills that are going to work on this skill or this skill. Whereas, you know, up on varsity, it- it's probably going to be more so um, situational stuff. Like we're going to run half field six on six for most of the practice. And then we'll take some man down time. We'll take some you know, extra man time. And uh, not so much, hey, let's just work on this drill. Let's do this drill. You know, more so, like, let's warm up and then let's get into it. Sweet. Yeah, because I know with, um, you know, me for for modified, uh, I've done modified soccer, JV soccer, varsity soccer. Um, I know especially early on when I was doing, uh, I, I actually started, I kind of went a little bit backwards. I started off, my one of my first coaching gigs was varsity varsity soccer. So I did the varsity um, then went down to modified, then went back up to JV. The last two years, I've been able to uh, go back up to varsity with uh, with Jamie at Ken East. 
Um, it was for me, it took me a while coming from that varsity level where it's all right, we're, we're coaching to win. You're building up the program, but at the same time you're coaching to win. And I remember that first year dropping back down to modified those first couple weeks or whatever, I was still almost in that mentality where, all right, we got to get a win. We got it. But then I'm looking, I'm like, all right, these kids, some of these kids haven't played soccer before. Some of these kids, I just want to, I don't want to scare them away. I want to, I want to build a program. I want to, it's, it's not my job to necessarily get W's. It's my job to get these guys ready in two years for JV or to get them ready for varsity ultimately. Um, yeah, there were a lot of, there were a lot of games that got close where I had to like make decisions of, okay, so this kid's been sitting on the bench and, you know, and waiting his turn. And I said, he'd play in the fourth quarter. It's the fourth quarter. Do I play him or you know, it's a one goal game? What do I, do I you know, so I say, oh, not, you know, not this game and keep playing the, 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 the good kids or the starters or whatever. And so that a lot of tough decisions there. Yeah. And it's, and it, it's, because for soccer, there was a lot, too, where you, like you said, you get in that close game and you're like, ooh, okay, everybody's going to get at least 10 minutes of playing time. This kid's gotten zero. All right, you know, let, let's go. You, you get him in there. Or there's been some times where I'll look at the kid on the bench and there's you get that deer in the headlights look like, wait, I'm going, wait, me? <laughs> and you kind of have to go and talk to him like, listen, it's up to you. You know, I'm... I, I, we're going to get playing time. Do you want to go in? It's a close game. It's zero zero second half. There's, you know, 20 minutes left in the game. Do you want to get in or do you not feel comfortable yet? And I've had kids before coach. Can I get in next game? Can I get in next game? Because at the same time, you don't want to put them in a position where next thing, you know, they make a mistake on the field. The ball goes into the other team's net and you lose the game one, nothing. And you know, you've got players on that team that are going to, well, we lost because of you. Yeah. So it's it's almost like a fine line. I mean, did you ever have that happen on any of your teams where a kid kind of looks like, no, coach, next next game, next game? Not so much. Um, I, I remember back on Modified, I would try to set it up where I would have my lines and I would try to match it where I would have, you know, a, a skilled player with like a you know an average and then one of like the beginners. It's kind of balance it out a little try bit. Try to balance it out because you get, you get three attack, three mid, three defenders. So... I, I never really had enough defenders to do that with, so I'd always have my pretty much same defenders. But, you know, on, on attack, I'd say, all right, first quarter, it's going to be U3. And then the next quarter, it's going to be, you know, th- this rotation and the next quarter, this rotation. So I, I would try try to give that kid playing time in, like, the second quarter where it wasn't so out of reach. Um, and then, you know, midfield, it's a little harder because the subbing's on the fly. And, you know, you got kids, they, they don't tend to like to wait in line. You know, they don't understand that if if you get off, you go to the back of the line. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'd sometimes have them, like, jump up, and I'd have to, like, you know, time time would go by, and I'm like, oh, you haven't been in in a while. And I'd have to, you know, throw him in. But I, I would try to get them opportunities earlier in the game so it didn't quite come down to that as much. Um, but, no, I, I, I don't remember a time where I had a kid who just completely was like, I don't want to go. <laughs> no, luck, luckily I haven't had to deal with that. I guess now for subbing for lacrosse is it is it similar to like soccer where you've got to wait for a stoppage in play or is it more like no. hockey where it's you just sub it on the fly? Yeah, it's it's on the fly. Um, there's specifics, you know, you can't. There's there's that midline, and so you have to have at least three guys on the offensive side, four guys on the defensive side. Okay, um, but yeah, you can sub 
when, whenever you want. You can sub um, in the middle of the play. Um, they used to be able to, when the ball went out of bounds in certain situations, they would blow a, a whistle to like st- or a horn to stop play. Do kind of like a full sale change like if you want it? Yeah, they, they did away with that to make the game faster. Um, but yeah, it's, it's on the fly, and you got to be more uh, you know tactical about when you're pulling off your guys. You know, guys, guys like to go on and play offense, and then they like to sub right off, and you're like, well, the ball's going yeah. on the on defense. You sh- you should get back and play defense. Like, um, so yeah, it's 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 definitely on the fly. Um, but for attack and, and defense, you know, when the ball's in the defensive end, you can sub out the attackman really easily. And yeah. same thing the other way. Um, you can you can sub the defense out when the ball's in the attacking end. I could see that. And it's kind of like for middies, they're more of your your rovers where they they go up down. Um, you kind of play the middle of the field, play like all over the place. Or do you have yeah. more? Do you have more of like your your defending midfielders, your attacking midfielders? Well, that's you know that's kind of the uh, differing philosophies of coaches. Where you know in in the past it was always like you're a midfielder, and you know just like soccer, you would play offense and defense. You would go all over the field. Then there kind of became that shift of like let's specialize more. So you got the guys who are you know a little bit more skilled. Um, at like catching and passing and, and have really hard shots, they're going to be the offensive midfielders. We'll put them on just for offense, and and then we'll get them off um, to get a more defensive-minded guy. And you know, you'll see teams where they have guys that don't necessarily handle the ball as well, but they know positioning, they know footwork, and they can hold their own. And they kind of run the ball up and give it to somebody else and get off the field. So there's those two differing philosophies that kind of go back and forth. And on the modified level, you, you want your kids to be able to do both. Um, and on the varsity level, you know, we have some guys that will run it up and down if they're, you know, those kind of workhorses that, you know, have the stamina to do so. And then you got other guys where it might be a bit of a liability on defense. So you just kind of, you know, you, you, you sub off one of the, one of the defensive guys and, and throw him on and then get him to come off when the ball goes in the defensive zone. Okay. Now, is it is it like hockey too? Like hockey you're usually you're usually switching like, you know, if you're out there a minute and a half, it's considered a long shift. Is it more like that or is it more where these guys are like on there for 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes at a time? So usually attackmen and defenders don't really come off. Like you'll usually see your three attackmen will sometimes stay the entire game. Okay. Um unless, you know, you want to make Unless you have like a bunch of guys, like four guys that are really good, you want to rotate them in, or you know you're up a bunch and you want to sub in some some guys to get them some game experience. Um, same for the defense and, and your goalie, obviously. But the midfielders, you usually will run you know two solid lines, maybe three if you have the depth, um, and they're pretty much um, the 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 subbing is usually once a transition has happened. So. If you got the ball in your offensive zone for three minutes, usually those guys are staying out there playing. I mean, if you you as a coach, you can kind of slow the play down and and sub some guys if you want, but you know usually they'll play that whole time. And then the ball transitions down, they get down into defense, you know, try to try to stop the other team. And then usually you have them bring the ball back up into offense, slow it down, get those guys off, get fresh legs on. That's usually a, a good you know, um, philosophy when it comes to subbing. Okay. Um, do you ever have a sub that just like a transition that just went totally like, just totally oh, yeah. like, Oh man, we just messed that up. Oh yeah. Cause 
you, you try to you try to it, well on on the the modified level you know you're you're trying to get guys off whenever it's most convenient so you might be screaming for a kid and he doesn't hear you and then finally he does at the wrong moment and he starts coming off and you're like but you, your your guy has the ball like you can't leave um but coach you told me to come off exactly uh, no i told which you which way which way is it <laughs> well, yeah i i had somebody do that um do you ever have a kid just like wave you off like nope 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 well, you know, they they just pretend to not hear you, or like they look, <laughs> Selective they look at you and turn and then turn back. Um, kind of like when mom used to tell me when to do my chores, but like, no, yeah. I didn't hear it. Yeah, but uh, you know, for the varsity level, and you'll see it on on college uh, rosters. Um, you you try to be you know tactical with your subbing, where you'll usually have like two middies come off to get some defensive guys on, and they'll usually try to sprint to the opposite side of the field so that you can like shift guys over. And if the communication doesn't work out, like they don't know who's supposed to stay on, who's supposed to come off, you know, they could all just come off. And then you got a fast break. You got like, you know, a five on three or, you know, a six on four going down and it's an easy goal for them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I could see it where you're just like, you know, it's, you know, you're, you're uh, flipping around there. Like I said, it's got to be a fast paced game, like hockey almost. Oh, it's so fast paced. And you, you, you really need somebody, um, like whether it's an assistant coach or or a, a volunteer or a parent or someone watching the substitution box because as a coach having to you know take stats and watch this, watch the substitution box and call out plays and watch stuff on the field and you know talk to guys that just came off about things they need to improve on or things they did well that's so much for a coach and you'll have guys come off and then nobody goes on or like they're yelling hey hey I need a sub I need a sub they run off and nobody runs on so you're yeah. shorthanded. Or, you know, you'll have guys that just run on when they feel like, and you're like, no, no, he didn't come off yet. So you really need somebody there watching saying, okay, wait, wait, now you can go. Now, did you, was that something that you really had to, um, I mean, you might not have noticed it as a player, but as a coach, did you realize kind of quickly, like, oh man, this is a little more difficult than I thought it was? Yeah. Yeah. Especially at the modified level, because they still are working on that substitution and I have to wait for the guy to come off the field completely before I can go on. And so, Oh, I, so they can't, it's not like even on, on uh hockey where they can kind of take a few strides where they've got to totally come off. It's got to be completely off. Now are yeah. the refs usually like keeping an eye on that or is it? I mean, it depends. Modified usually only, they only have two refs and varsity will have three. So you okay. on varsity, you might have a guy that's keeping a closer eye on it. Whereas um, modified there, it's a little more leeway. Yeah, because just because they're not watching it as much, um, and they understand that you know you got kids that are still learning the game, so usually they're good about it. Um, but even on varsity, you got some kids that just they just want to play; they aren't paying attention, and so they'll just run on. And you're like, the, "We have too many men," or or there's just so much confusion. You'll get three guys come off, and you're supposed to get three guys to go on, and there'll be con- you'll be telling one kid to go on. Um, but someone else thought it was their turn, and so you'll get four guys to run, and now you have too many men, and it's a it's a flag. Yeah, I remember subbing uh, my first year coaching varsity. Um, I had a I had a very uh, it was a varsity team, and in, in a lot of ways, it was a almost like a JV team. We had a couple girls that first time playing, um, and just remember on this on the subbing, telling them like, all right, go in left mid, go, and they'll get to the line. And then they'll kind of come back. But like, what are you doing? Left mid. Where is that again? Like, it's just like, no, go in for left mid. Okay, but who am I calling off? 
the left midfielder. I mean, and you kind of, and then you kind of just, I know for me, I had to take it back. Like, all right, they don't know yeah. what left midfield is. And it's, you don't expect that at the varsity level, but at the same time, you're just, it's, you know, the, you, you gotta, you gotta remember they're kind of learning their way too. So that way I, I learned very early on not to tell them, Hey, go play left midfield. All right. You're going in number 11. And if they ask, what are the now? Now I've got you know teams where it's all right. They know what what position they're in, but it's all right. Do you want me outside mid? Go. Yeah. Center mid. Go. But before it was going for number eleven, just play on the outside. Yeah. You know you had to really you had to really dummy it down for them. And it's for soccer. I know that was one of the biggest things for coaching too. Even I mean, even just the subbing, we could you know the whistle would blow. You'd get him out, get him on. It was less – it wasn't subbing on the fly, but it was still – I kind of found myself like, oh, wait a minute. All right, yeah, that person's in the right position. That person's not. Got to yell at them. That person's this. And you're still kind of calling out, no, move over to the middle, move over to the left, move over to the right. It was something for me. It was probably my biggest thing that I that I had to learn just to to get my subs more smoother. Yeah, and with lacrosse, there's – you know, specific requirements. So the defensive guys have the longer poles. You're not allowed to have more than four guys with those long poles. Um, so there's, there's like a balance to be had where when you're on offense, you have to keep four guys back. So one of them is a goalie. Mm-hmm. Three of them are defenders. Well, you want them, since they're strictly defense, to have the long pole so that they can guard the attackman. But you wouldn't want a fourth guy with a long pole because he's up playing offense. So you have all of your midfielders with short sticks. Then when you come back and play defense through that substitution, one of those short sticks should come off and you can get one more defender with a long pole to go out there. Okay. Well, if you don't get the substitution right, then you might only, you might not get that extra defender out there. You might have three short sticks that go play defense, which isn't, you know, a nightmare, but it's a slight disadvantage because now you have their midfielders who can play against guys with shorter sticks, which gives them the advantage. When you have a longer stick playing defense, you can uh, you know, keep him a little bit farther away from you. You can reach out and keep that distance between you, keep him farther from the goal. And so that's some of the stuff we got to work with with our subbing as well is to make sure, um, okay, so I got a guy coming off, I need a long pole on, or I got, I got a long pole coming off, I need a short stick going on, or you know, my, my, we call him a, a LSM long stick midfielder. You know, if he's been running back and forth a bunch, he's gassed. We need our second string guy and, or we need someone to go in for him. And so that whole communication is, is tough. And if you get too many guys with long sticks on, well, that's a flag. Now for long sticks and short sticks, like how much long, like how much longer, like what, what's the size of a short stick and what's the size of a long stick approximately? So the long sticks are about like six feet. Okay. With, with the the shaft and the the head on it, it's about six feet, and then um, the now short... does it have to be six feet, or can they can long poles vary in sizes? There's a slight variance. There's like a it can't be any longer than this, and any shorter than this. Okay, um, and then the the short sticks have their requirements as well, and that's usually I think it's like four feet. Don't quote me. Okay, so there's a size, there's a there's a noticeable difference then. Yes, there's a no, noticeable difference. Um, the long sticks, like you know, like I said, I like to I like to play a little bit of both. Uh, but you pick up that long stick, it's heavy. 
and uh, you know you wield it around. It's got you know when you when you try to shoot, it's got drag, and so it's much harder to shoot, much harder to handle and hold. Um, and then you go and pick up a short stick, and you're just like flinging it through the air. You're like, "What? This thing's made like, of this paper." Is nothing. Yeah. Um, so it's it's quite a big difference. Um, and then the goalie stick can be its own length. They got length requirements on that too, which is just a little. It's it can be a little bit longer than um, a, a long uh, a short stick, and it can be a little bit shorter. And it's yeah. the exact numbers are not coming to me right now. <laughs> it's all right. Usually, yeah. usually the kids come in. And the stick they bought is the correct length. I had one kid once that came in with a short stick that he had cut down, and I had to like go research it to be like, all right, can you use this? And he ended up being fine, but usually it's not a, an issue we have to worry about. Okay. Now, one thing I've always, I've always told my kids is, um, you know, as a coach, I can coach skill. I can coach. I can. I can get you to where you got to go. I can get you your your ball handling skills. I can get you your shooting, your passing. One thing I can't coach is a kid's passion. Um, I mean, have you have you come across just um, like how do you deal with it as as a coach? Like, have you come across a kid who might have all the talent in the world, but just has that eh, attitude that I don't care, whatever. Like just and then on the flip side, have you had that kid that's got all the passion in the world that wants to do it, wants to do it, but just unfortunately doesn't have those doesn't have that athletic ability? Yeah, uh, I'd say you get more of the latter um, up or up on like varsity. You get kids that have been you know putting in the time and effort for a long time, and you know no matter what, they're just not at the same level as some of their peers. Um, but you know, you, you try to reward that passion by you know getting them in whenever you can. Um, and then I'd say some of the you know the former, the kids who just had that potential, had that skill, and just you know were a bit of goof offs um, more so on the uh, on the modified level. Um, you know, and you you want to get them to come out. You want to make you know practice and games this this fun time. You you want them to to share that passion that you have. Um, but if you have to keep, you know, yelling about, you know, stop quick goofing off or, you know, you explain a drill and then the first person that does the drill messes it up because they were, you know, doing some sort of TikTok dance while you're oh, trying to don't talk. Don't get me started on I that. Know. Uh, oh, that TikTok stuff. TikToks, yeah. TikToks. Yeah. TikToks. Oh, don't get me started don't on that. Don't date yourself, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Only one and a half calories, TikToks. Oh, Very refreshing. No, but it's... It, it can be a challenge because you you see that potential and you're like, you could be so good if you put in the time and effort, but they just want to have fun with their friends. And, you know, they, some of them realize what can come from their hard work. And so you, you can see it in those, but there's those others that like, you know, you, you try to get on them about something and they're just kind of like, you know, real passive about it. And it's unfortunate. Have you, have you had to have that conversation yet that, that, where you kind of pull a kid aside one-to-one and, and almost have that, that exact conversation to have with me. Like, listen, if you tried, if you wanted this, the sky's the limit. Like we're talking, you can go college, you can go next level, but do you, do you really want it? Like, I know I've had to have that conversations with players and sometimes it works. Sometimes you notice maybe that's all they really needed. Other times, well, this is the fourth time. This is the 10th time. This is the 12th time I've talked to you about this. 
Like, if, if, first, have you had to have that conversation yet with some of your athletes? And have you noticed if it's worked or not? Because I know with some kids it does, some kids it, it doesn't. No, not not that exact conversation. Um, you know, coming up to varsity, I'm sure at some point I'll have to have a talk like that. Modified, it, it's more so just, you know, saying to them, like, listen, like, you're an athletic kid. Like, you have a lot of potential, and we're um, we're here to work. Like, lacrosse is fun. It's a super fun sport, but if you're just goofing off all the time, then you're not going to grow and get better. And it's really fun when you get better and you can you pass and catch and score goals and all that stuff. And so, no, I haven't had that like talk specifically about you know, that, that serious. Um, but just little things here and there of like, you know, if you put in the effort, like you could be really good. Now you've had, so you've had modified JV. Now some of these kids that you're going in with the varsity program, I'm I'm sure you've had them at other levels, whether it's been JV or modified. Is that I mean, is that going to be kind of exciting to to have them at that that modified level and now have them again at that at that varsity level? Yeah, it is exciting to see that growth. My first year JV, those kids have graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but being the modified coach, I've helped out in varsity my whole time there, just being on the sidelines. Um, you know, I like to do I like to do sports photography, so I would I would go to the games and take photos for them and I'd come on the sidelines, help run the box and, you know, uh if, if the coach is paying attention to the game, I would, you know, give a little pep talks and talk to guys about things they can improve on. Um and so I've, you know, developed that rapport, that relationship with the J V and varsity guys. But yeah, the guys that are on varsity right now, I coached unmodified and so seeing them grow um has been really cool because you got those ones that had that potential from the beginning and you've seen it paid off from their hard work and you got the ones that you know they've been along for the ride and you know so you 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 know that about them um i gotta say i got i got a group that unfortunately because of covid i haven't had as much time as i would like but i have a, a a group of guys that have been playing together for quite some time and they're moving up from modified into JV and, and, you know, when we, um, you know, decide to bring them up to varsity, whether that's, you know, 10th grade or you know 11th grade or, or whatever it is, when they get to varsity, they've been playing together for so long that, you know, being able to see that growth in them from youth to modified to, to, to JV to varsity is going to be really, really cool, really fulfilling. Do you ever have some of those kids, like even at modified, um, this year at varsity, the last two years at varsity, I've, um, I've had, I've had the unique opportunity where some of these kids, um, I've had it, I coached a seventh and eighth grade. Then when they were in eighth grade, um, I moved up with them to JV and did their ninth and 10th and, or did their ninth grade, 10th grade. And now I've had some of my juniors, uh, this year who I was able to coach at the varsity and I'll hopefully be with them again at varsity next year. So I've there's a group where I've could have, um, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th. And looking back on it, there's some of those, there's some of those athletes were just thinking where they were seventh grade and where they are now. And I've talked to some of them about it before, but like, you know what? I would have never thought you as a seventh grader are, are where you are now, or just, Hey, remember seventh grade when I was yelling at you for, you know, stopping and chasing dandelions or looking at butterflies or this and that. Yeah. And now you're our leading goal scorer or now you're, you just got second team NFL or now you made this like it's, it's been fun just 
having that though that experience with them but there's there's always a couple of kids where I'll look back and be like really you know what you were such a little mm, back in the day and now you're now you're my captain like have you had that experience yet no, or no I haven't had that um that'll that'll be interesting if if that ever happens I mean, do you know some of the well, varsity kids that you that you plan on having, like that that are going to be juniors and seniors, is where you look back at them, like, man, I remember yeah, when you were a them, little seventh there's, grader. Yeah, there's some of them that you know they're immature, and hopefully, you know, some time and, and growth will you know mature them a little bit. But <laughs> something that's cool, and uh, I, I hope to see it continue to happen, is you know me teaching at Grand Island. I'm starting to see some of the kids that I've taught become players. So I, I've jumped around, I've taught third, fourth, and fifth grade. And my first group of third graders, that was the very first class I taught. They are now, um, freshmen. And so they, I, I emailed a couple of them and I said like, Hey, you know, I hope everything's you know going well. Um, you know, I, I know you play this sport, but you know, I thought you might want to come try out for lacrosse. It'd be really cool to have you play lacrosse. And a couple of them end up playing lacrosse. I don't know if it was because of my email or it's because of just another friend or whatnot. But so I had a couple of third graders that played modified for me last year, picked up, picked it up. And, you know, it seems like some of them might keep going with it. But, you know, now teaching fifth grade, I got some kids that I'm going to try to, you know, talk into lacrosse and, you know, being able to see them on the field, you know, maybe, you know, varsity sitting there on senior night, you know, scoring the game winning goal and, you know, the, the sectional game or whatnot. That, I, that's something I really hope happens. Oh, absolutely. Um, now I forgot this and, and I was going to bring this up earlier and it just popped into my head. This is not the first sport you coached. You started off uh, with with Mr. Doug Newman, who's going to be our guest um, in a couple weeks. Really? Can't wait to you, tune into that you one. You started off with Doug Newman coaching yeah. uh, swimming and diving over yes. at Cleve Hill, correct? Yeah, the hill. Now, the were hill. You, did you have any experience? Like, I, Listen, I coached swimming and diving at Cleve Hill once, and I had absolutely zero experience that guys or girls i did girls i okay. got suckered into so it with rizzo no this was before rizzo oh, I, before I was there rizzo. i was how i got it uh jane wright was the was the lady who coached varsity she was brand new and i don't think she had much experience coaching swim either okay. i was right out of college so i took a job as um i was a sub teacher but i was also three days a week i would lifeguard yeah. for the swim classes and two days a week i would sub first day of school um, Jane asked me if she asked me, you know, do you have any experience with swimming and diving? I was like, no, I mean, I know how to swim. I've never dove before. She's like, okay, great. You're going to be our diving coach. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm right out of college. Yeah. I could use a paycheck. Sure. So that was my, that's how I got that with, uh, with Cleve Hill. How did Doug like? How did Doug get you in there? Because I know you had met you met Doug through Park Camp. Uh, we got another Park Camp alum here. Um, love the connections. Love the oh, connections. Yeah. So tell us a little bit how you got into coaching with Doug. So it's funny because I actually like so through Grand Island I got the teaching job and then got the lacrosse job. Cleve Hill is the opposite. I got the swim coach job, and then they were like, "Oh, you you sub? We need we need subs." So then they brought me in to sub, and I ended up being a, like a math TA. Um, but I can't remember the exact timeline, but I 
I don't know if I had met Doug yet through Park Camp. Um, I moved up to Buffalo after college um, because my girlfriend at the time lived in Buffalo, um, wanted to go to UB, said they had a great master's program. So I'm like, you know, all right, let's see where this relationship goes. I'll, I got to get my master's. So go up to Buffalo, get my master's. Um, she knows Doug because uh, they lived in the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so she knew that Doug needed somebody or I, I, I think I might've seen the posting and she was like, Oh, that's Doug Newman. Um, you know, I'll, I'll put, I'll talk to him for you. And so we met up, we talked about it. I had not done competitive swimming. I was a very good swimmer. I was swimming since a little kid. Um, my swim teachers tried to push me and say, like, you should do swim. You should join the swim team. And I was like, 7 a.m. practices in the outside? No, that's that, oh yeah, that's, no. that's cold. <laughs> um, so I didn't I didn't do it. Um, but I loved swimming. You know, I was always a good swimmer, and so I figured I'd give it a try. And you know, little did I know that being the second assistant swim coach really meant glorified lifeguard <laughs> because they legally had to have somebody in the chair. The at second all times. set of eyes. Exactly. So they, Doug was the coach. You know, he would sit on the bench and walk around and you know yell encouragements to the swimmers. You know, like like Doug does, oh, and yeah. uh, right Doug's up very vocal. Write up these crazy workouts like the manimal. You should ask him about the manimal. Oh, I planned on and, it. And uh, but so I had to be in the chair. Well, we had these two guys who were the divers, and you know they were goofballs. They just loved to goof off and. Divers kind of have that reputation of like, oh, they don't have to swim with the rest of the team. They can just, uh, you know, goof off. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, you know, speaking ill of any divers out there who this doesn't apply to. I feel like they're the kickers or punters. Yeah, kind of. Because they, you know, they do their own thing. And and um, these guys, cool, nice guys, nice kids. Um, but yeah, they would they would do a dive. And then they run into the showers, sit in the warm shower for like, you know, five minutes, come out, do another dive. And I, you know, I, I had gotten a book on diving. I got a DVD, tried to, you know, learn some things. I tried to give them tips, but. So I, you learned the way I learned about diving. Yeah. That's all I did. I ran to the library. Yeah. And got whatever I could. But I had to sit in the lifeguard chair, which is, you know, a little less than halfway down the pool. And I would have to yell down to them things to do. And I would try to set up workouts for them. But, you know, they didn't necessarily want to do it all. And if they had to do any, like, you know, physical, like like core work or push ups. What? Or anything. Coach can't hear you. Or or they would just go sit in the showers, and you could, you can't get them out of the showers, you know. Or or they, or they would take time filling up their own cooler with the hot water and putting it next to the diving board, so that they would put their <laughs> chamois in there and they could dry themselves off, warm themselves up in between dives, and and they'd bounce on the board and like, oh no, not ready yet. Come back, and so and that that was my diving coach experience. <laughs> Because you always had to have someone in the lifeguard chair. I say, did Doug ever get off? Get on, like, get on the divers and be like, hey, you know, or did he? Was he more of no, just I'm, he, I'm doing the swimming? He kind of knew <laughs> that they, you know, like to, uh, you know, fly to the what is the saying? Fly to the beat of their own drum or whatever it is. Yeah, um, yeah he kind of knew, and so that's kind of why he, you know, pawned it off on me a little bit. Um, it's just like almost I, like give it to the new guy. Well, yeah, he's like I, I got to focus on you know because he he writes. Doug Doug is a great swim coach. He writes up crazy workouts. He, you know, knows what each of his swimmers need. And so he designs these you know, workouts and practices 
to get the best out of his swimmers. And so he's focusing on that and he can't be bothered by the goof offs trying to not, you know, do a belly flop. And so, you know, to his credit, he wanted to focus on the swimming and he, you know, asked me since you're in the lifeguard chair and, you know, you can see them a little better, you know, try to get them to be productive. And it's kind of like we were saying before, they, the, the one, the one was a little bit better than the other, but he wasn't as like focused on being better. And so he wasn't quite putting in the effort to do better. He would get the higher scores because he was a little bit more naturally gifted, but he would never put in the effort to reach that potential he had. Like, I think he made, I forget what the, the, the different, um, you know, like sectional sectional, Yeah. ECIC, like that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think he made, he got pretty far once and, um, we're like, you, you could do this year after year and just didn't want to, you know, put in the work. And, um, but yeah, he was like, you know, you, you try. Cause I guess he was, like you said, he's at his wits end and talk about, talk about passion. I've, oh, I mean, God. Doug, if you look Doug up passion eats, in the sleeps, dictionary, breathes. you look up passion in the dictionary. It has Doug's face. Like he is. <laughs> and, and I know he's been doing the strongman oh, competitions yeah. and, and we're going to talk about this um, when he comes on, but whatever Doug sets his mind to, he like eat, breathes, sleeps, lives it. Like it's like, I'm, I, I don't want to just be in it. I want to be top of the line in it. Like, and and swimming is like that's his baby. Oh, that's he, his. He was very focused, uh, very focused. Like we, you know, we, we'd be waiting for the swimmers to get there, and he was just like, you know, eyes forward, focus on what needed to happen. You know, pre meets, he's tinkering the lineups. You know, saying like, oh, you know, these guys can swim together for this, but I need. I, I need an extra point in this event. I, I need one guy to just be able to get that second place in, the, in this event. Or, you know, I, I, I know they're swimmers for this. And so we can't get first place, but if I put him here, we can get second and third. And he was very meticulous about, you know, getting his swimmers to do the best on their own, but also within that team environment, which I had no clue about swimming and the whole team aspect of it. But he, he was very focused on being able to put people in different positions to, best contribute to the team oh for sure and he's and like i said i uh i didn't meet doug until you know uh park camp but he was just you tell you could tell just from having like a five minute conversation with him about anything like he's like locked in yeah <laughs> matt's matt's shaking his head over there now he was scared he... me so much like, the first time <laughs> i ever saw him he can be intimidating, and like, and the scariest part was, was like his kid, his son was in my, was one of my campers, and still was one big of big JD campers. man, little Newman baby. I love him to death. Like he's awesome. Josh is great, and like his dad, and I'm just like his dad always scared me so much. Which he should He's one of the nicest guys yeah, ever. That is like, true. He's, he's one a, of the nicest he's guys. A gentle ever giant, meet. but like you just look at him if you don't yeah. know him, you're just like, oh. yeah. And I mean, it's not. I mean, like Doug's a Doug's a big guy. He's in oh, shape, yeah, he's but it's big. not even so that. But it's just sometimes when you just that face, like yeah. just that intense, like almost that intense stare, where it's just yeah. like he's zoned in. Okay, on something. if he, I say the wrong thing, this guy's gonna whoop my butt. But it's the exact opposite. And he'd pull up in his Hummer too. Oh yeah, <laughs> big power moves. <laughs> big power moves. <laughs> oh my god. No, Doug is Doug is fantastic. Like I said, we're gonna have about I think I it's two, I think two weeks. Uh, oh, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, Newman's going to join him. 
You know what? I was almost going to ask him. I was almost going to ask him if we should bring Little Newman, Gosh, if he wants to bring Little Newman on. ask him. Maybe we'll have Little Newman come on as a, as a guest, special guest, too. But because that kid's funny, and, I'm, kid, and I he can have his own podcast, and I think he's, I think he just like he's getting in the football now too. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, he um, and he's doing uh, he's doing discus, discus and shot put. Uh, okay, good. Field. Yeah, good. He's and really into that. Maybe I'll have Little Newman come on as a, as a special guest. Um, now that brings to us. Do you think it's? Do you think coaches like uh, former athletes make the better coaches, or do you think that's kind of? It's almost irrelevant. I mean, look at Bill Belichick. Never really played football. Yeah. Um, or do you think you've got those those athletes that are just destined it's, to be coaches? I think there's a mix of both. There's those guys who are phenomenal athletes, and because of you know how good athletes they were and their versatility throughout the the sport or whatever it was, you know, they know all the different aspects. They're able to be very good coaches, but. You know, as as I've grown up, I've I've learned more and more. And you know, there were guys in college that you know, football season came around, and, and we're we're talking f- sports and fantasy football and whatnot. And I, I look at them like, you've never played a sport in your life. How do you, <laughs> how do you know all this stuff? But like, you don't need to play football to be able to watch it and analyze it. You know, you don't. It helps to be able to play you know lacrosse, but if you can watch and you know, notice patterns and, and intricate movements and, you know, see what works against other things. And, you know, it's, it's almost like chess, you know, yeah. like, like you know, you, it, it's a chess match. And if you can study and learn the intricacies of the sport, you can be phenomenal. And, you know, you, you got guys who they don't play, they just become analysts or, you know, they become coaches. And I, I think it's a mix of both. Absolutely. And it's funny because it's it's a different type of stress. I know for me as a player, I mean, I loved playing. I was you know pretty successful in it. Um, but it was for me, it was just I knew if I took care of what I needed to take care of on the field, my teammates were going to take care of their stuff as well. So it was it was just a stress of all right, I've got to play good today. Whereas when you're a coach, it's Okay, I need my. I've got to worry about my defense. I've got to worry about my midfielders. I've got to worry about my forwards. Did I warm up my goaltender enough? Is my outside midfielder feeling good? well? My outside defender's not feeling good today. So do I go with his backup? It's it's just a lot of stress where you're like, you know, if, if I don't coach well today, these eighteen players on my team, I'm gonna let them down. Type of deal. Do you kind of feel that a little bit of a different stress from coach to player? Yeah. Um... I mean, as speaking from a lacrosse standpoint, you, you you have to be able to read what the other team is giving you. And you could prepare your players all week to have them know what they're supposed to do. But if a defense throws something different at you, you have to be able to react and adjust. And, you know, at this level, not all of your players understand that, Oh, my guy's doing this, so I should I should do this, and and the rest of the team's gonna gonna go along with me. You have to either call that out, or you got to get a timeout. You got at the at the quarter or the half, you got to set that up and say, listen, this is what they're giving us on defense, so we need to switch and do this on offense. And you know they're not going to recognize that on the fly, so I have to be able to analyze all that in my head and make those adjustments. And if, like you said, if I don't make those adjustments we're not going to win. You know, if, if I keep doing the same thing over and over again, then it's, it, it's not, they could, they could, my team could play their hearts out and it wouldn't matter very much because 
I'm not setting them up yeah. best they can. And so, yeah, it, it does get a lot of stress. Then you add in that stuff of, well, I can't, I, I can't necessarily focus on analyzing the defense so much because I got guys over here that are supposed to be, you know, subbing and they, they keep getting me flags cause they're not subbing correctly. And then we're playing man down constantly, you know? Yeah. It's, it's definitely, especially early on, it's definitely, um, like you said, it's a chess match and it's a chess match between yourselves at times too. Now, a lot of times I know early on in my career, I would lean back or lean on my playing days where even while I'm giving, whether it's giving pep talks, whether it's um, making in-game adjustments, where I would kind of look like, all right, I remember that from my playing game. I, I've seen a midfielder play like that. I know what to do. I need to go and, and, and I'll go over and tell my kid, hey, listen, they're trying to cut in on the inside. They're always looking for that through ball. If you take two steps inside and watch goal side, you're going to be able to take that pass away every single time. So move two steps in. But the only reason I'm telling that is because I knew it as a player. I learned it as a player. So I kind of leaned on that. I knew how to analyze the game, but I just knew those small little intricacies of the game just from playing it, um, which I always wondered as a, as a coach who hasn't played the game, do you, is it easier for you or is it harder for you to kind of find those small little intricacies because you haven't had those, those chances to do it. You haven't been beat three times by that same play as a player and figured out, oh yeah, if I move inside, I can stop it every time. Or if I give him a little bit of a two yard cushion, he's not going to beat me because he's so much faster than me. I can neutralize his speed. Um, I found, especially early on in my career, I found just leaning back on my playing, my playing time made it a little bit easier for me to transition in that coach. Do you kind of find the same way, like leaning back in, oh, yeah, when we did this, this is how I, I counteracted that as a player, or did you just pick it up as you went on? Yeah, I, I kind of more so picked it up as I went on. Um, you know, I, I didn't get a ton of playing time my freshman and sophomore year in college, and then junior year, you know, I got in pretty much every game, but I didn't get a ton of experience. I was I was a midfielder and I wasn't, you know, one of my the top midfielders, so I didn't get in a ton. Um, you know, I was focused on knowing the plays and knowing my part in each of the plays and um executing those. And then going into my senior year playing attack, kind of similar thing, you know, focusing on knowing my role in the plays and in the the different offensive movements and I really wasn't focused on what was happening on the defensive side of the of the field. Um, and you know, not having as much experience in the game at that point, I wasn't studying some of the other intricacies. I wasn't thinking about, well, the defense is doing this, which means I should adjust this way. I've kind of had to take more of that in, um, you know, in my own hands as, as a coach, like we've said from, you know, books, YouTube videos, watching college and pro games, um, and gleaning stuff from that. Plus just talking to other people, you know, getting ideas from other coaches. I've had, you know, the luxury of working with, you know, a, a great guy by the name of Ted Lee, a Grand Island legend. <laughs> and uh, I've, you know, he was coaching varsity when I hopped in for modified and he's helped impart a lot of knowledge in me and seeing him talk to the players and listening to how he studies the game and, and coaches has helped as well, you know, as well as, you know, Steve stack, he's been coaching varsity for the past couple of years, coached, well before that as well um just gaining information and experience from them i think has been really helpful 
now that's another stress on its own. And um, I don't know if you nece- I don't know if you're necessarily going to feel this or whatever, but just when you when you follow like you're you're taking over Steve Steck's program, not not taking over his program, but he's been there a long time. That was his baby. Do you feel any added pressure, kind of being the new guy that's immediately following him? Hey, everybody knows Steve. Everybody doesn't know me quite yet. You know, they might. They, yeah, I've been here for or modified JV, but do you kind of feel a little bit of that added pressure following somebody who's been there so long as he has? I mean, a little bit. Um, I'm still trying to get you know my name known in this area. Um, you know, I I know some of the other you know varsity head coaches from experiences you know i play summer ball with some of them and um you know some of them are around the same age as me they're getting these positions as well as some of the older coaches are starting to you know retire and and leave um so i'm getting to know some of them more um but yeah the the program had a lot of success um in like the 90s and the year 2000 they won the section and then kind of had a bit of a drought um had a bunch of different coaches come in And then, you know, like I said, Ted Lee was there. He was modified, took a group of modified guys all the way up through to varsity. 2017, we were able to win the section, go to the far west regionals with them. Kind of took a a little bit of a dip. Um, And so now we're kind of in that, you know, rebuilding. Um, And like I said, we're trying to really focus on getting a lot more youth guys to come into the program. So I don't have to 7th and 8th grade say, Hey, you're you're a good athlete. Come play lacrosse, or hey, I, I you should you should try out this sport and hope for new guys. But that I can have a group of seventh and eighth graders that day one there's you know ten, eleven of them who've been playing for a couple of years, bring them up through. Um, so that's kind of where we're at now. But I I, I do feel a, a a bit of pressure, and and a lot of that is you know self imposed because I want to be able to do the best that I can. Um, you know. I have a bit of that personality where I, you know, put a little bit more of the stress on myself and, you know, take some things a little seriously. Uh, and, and so I, I want to be able to say that not, not selfishly, but that I've, you know, taken these guys and I've imparted what I can onto them and I've helped grow this program back up to the success that it was to the, um, not necessarily powerhouse, but to the, you know, perennial, you know, strong team that it was a long time ago and to get away from these, you know, highs and lows and, and, you know, kind of stay steadily rising up and, you know, for other teams to say, Oh, you know, we, we got to play grand Island this year. That's, you know, that's, it's going to be one of our toughest matchups. And that's not so much just like living up to Ted and, and Steve. Um, they've done great things for the program, but I, that's just kind of more so me saying, I want to do the best I can. You know, when I was a player, I would say, you know, anything that comes my way, I'm catching that ball and putting it in the net. I don't care how bad of a pass it was. I'm going to catch it. I'm going to put it in. And so kind of replicating that of, you know, I, I don't care how new these players are. I want to try to help them reach their potential and get the best out of them that I can. Absolutely. Now, everybody knows, especially when you get to the varsity level, the most important thing is that pep talk. Uh, you know, getting that team fired up. And I remember my first pep talk and, you know, you're it, we were, uh, the first game I think was about three weeks into the season. You know, we had our preseason, this and that. So as the days kept leading up to the pep talk, I'm, you know, I'm like, no, all right, I want to say this. Nope. All right. Let me try that. Nope. 
you know, I'm I'm the idiot practicing at home in front of the mirror. We're like, all right, I get it's you know ready. We're getting to that that time. You know, we're doing the warm ups. We bring him in. I go blank. I forgot <laughs> everything that I thought I was gonna say. So the kids are like all circled up or whatever, and I'm just doing the pacing back and forth, like in like pace. And the kid, like I had the straight face on, so the kids kind of thought like. Does he, is he like, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? And in my mind, I'm like, what the hell am I going to say? What the hell do I want to (laughs) say? So I'm pacing back for like a minute and the kids are like, so I just go into the huddle and I'm like, all right, ready, win on three. And the kids are like, wait a minute. Well, like what, what do you want us to do? Bold strategy. And I'm just, I I (laughs) didn't, I, I didn't give them the lineup. I didn't say, all right, who's playing where? I mean, they all kind of knew, but I'm, I usually be now before games, but like, all right, ready. You know, here we go. Right. This person, lefty, centerty, whatever. And then I'll give a quick little thing. And then I'll, I've got it all after it took me years, but no, I've got it all now, now, but that whole thing, I was just like, all right, ready. Let's go. Who's ready to win. And then broke the huddle. And they were like, coach, where are we playing? I'm like, oh, that'd probably be a good. So I like totally botched my whole my whole first pregame. Did you win that game? We did win, believe it or not. We won two to one against Niagara Catholic, then which that's, was funny that's because speech right it was there. it was against um, a former teammate of mine who was on the other sideline. So of course we went out for some friendly pops afterwards. But it was, and I told him I was like, dude, I had no idea what the frick to say to my kids. <laughs> Uh, so that was one thing. So do you have your first varsity? I mean, are, are you, have you been thinking about it? You know what you're going to say? No. Or is it just, <laughs> I've learned, and that's after that, I learned, you know what? I'm not planning a speech. It's just going to come right off at the cuff, uh, right off at the top of my head at the moment. And that's how I give my speeches now. I'm probably just going to fly by the seat of my pants. I'm telling you, that's the best way to go. I mean, don't, I... don't pull a walk back and forth. All right, win. It, 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 it's not good. <laughs> Gotta pull a pull like a Herb Brooks. What we have here, gentlemen, is a tremendous opportunity. I did that speech at Park Camp Olympic Day one year. Yes. I don't know if you. I don't think you were there yet. I think it was the the, the year. Actually, no, it might have been two or three years before you got there. Um, yeah, and I'm officially announcing my retirement. I'm not. That, I'm I'm done for Park Camp. So am I. The it's a the sad day. the Park Camp the. 14 years it's it's done not for anything bad i'm just was he aware of what we did on your like last hurrah oh god no oh mr and mr andrew uh you remember sumo back in your park in fact i'm pretty sure your first like your first i was like hey do you want to do sumo like all right i just i think i just dragged you out there as one of the the counselors but we went we went i I was i didn't have shoes on i had flip-flops and you made me go out oh yeah i was like listen just trial by fire baby we turned sumo into like WWE style sumo. We had Macho Man Randy Savage over there. I came out the last time to beat him as Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, we and created this like week by week. Oh, it wasn't we, pre-planned. By the end, it was like I felt like a WWE promoter. I felt like Vince McMahon. I'm like, all right, well, we got to do this. Well, we got to do this. Nope, this person. Like, we had. He got. He was hitting this, people with is, baseball bats. Is this oh. just for the adults or for the kids? Too? Oh no, it was for the kids. Well, no, 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 no. You, Sorry, the the. Yes, I was going to say because you always had you know Doug we did. And, and everyone you know getting between the. Oh yeah, to soften the blows. <laughs> no, we did. We did the kids battles. We pretty much left that the I same. See. Okay, but the counselor battles. Nice. No, it worse was, and worse. It nice. was one one time he had outside interference where some guy came in as my I was the referee. My back was turned. 
he clocked somebody the over the head with a bat with a bat um hit somebody in the head with a uh water with jug. a water jug rowdy rowdy piper steve <laughs> came out as rowdy rowdy piper nice. um i don't know if <laughs> so you were there for megan doyle i don't know if you were uh she did arts we and crafts we were i don't, I don't, I don't think, think we were there at the same time she came out she was his valet as miss elizabeth okay so she would distract me at times um it was yeah the it was crazy so into it and when Larry came out at the last point, everybody started cheering. And I was like, this was worth five weeks of constant parade. Kids were booing him, not just that day, all summer long. Like, he had second and third grade, fourth like, grade groups throwing stuff at him during the day. They didn't understand that it was a character. Oh, yeah. So they just saw me and instantly thought, bad person. Yeah. But Larry was like, I want to be like, I want to walk out there and everybody to cheer. And I was like, okay, Larry, I'll, I'll do this for you. <laughs> you're, just, you're just trying to have a good time. You don't drink your chocolate milk at lunch and you got kids booing you. We had, we had, uh, he had country fair day. Kids yeah. were throwing ears of corn at him. Oh, gosh. Yeah. During, like, when, when parents were dropping their kids off, so they see a counselor getting berated with corn, <laughs> and nobody was doing anything no. about it. Oh, no. In fact, I was secretly, I was like, man, this Hanging is good. I, was, I didn't <laughs> egg him on. I did you're not probably, egg him on. You're, you're probably at the front of the drop-off line <laughs> handing out the ears of corn. You go for his legs. You go for his headshot. I was not egging him on, but secretly I'm like, this is good. I swear, I that was probably the closest I was to either swearing or just straight up pushing a child over. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a lot of restraint. It took a lot. And I was like, it's not even like 9 o'clock in the morning, and I got to go all day. But Andy had the embarrassing day. You were there for the Mulu days. You were there for... Um, I, I dressed up as as a Mulu. Good old Mulu. I had, I, I had Andy doing some... Or, sorry, Andrew. Andrew. Sorry, Andrew doing you. some embarrassing stuff. I made sure going back to uh, fantasy football, my my game plan was not last because of the last place person having to be the Mulu princess. You know what? It's funny. And I would just make sure that that was not going to be me, especially when I couldn't go to park camp. I didn't want to have to come back for one day just to be the Mulu princess. It's funny that you mentioned that because the only time I finished last place the following year, the camp was shut down because of COVID, so yeah. I never, <laughs> I never dressed up. Well, didn't as we the get Mulu. rid of the Mulu anyways? Like the year, yeah, prior to the that. Mulu kind of, uh, the Mulu kind of became no longer PC. Yeah, so well, it was a but, lot. You, you know, we paint ourselves up, and then and then there was oh, oh, yeah, hey, uh, uh. <laughs> Doug, Doug, as he always says, was the original Mulu. Yeah. Josh Newman was the baby. Josh Mulu was baby. I was, I was there for part of that. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, but uh, man, it was a lot of work. But yeah. definitely a lot of fun. Times change, and here we are now. Times All change. Of us not working at Park Camp. They might. They might have to name a building after you, Larry. <laughs> The bungalow can be renamed after exactly. the bungalow, the worst building there. The timber firewood bungalow. I'll just be the oval. Just just that little fire pit in the there oval. There you go. <laughs> the Larry the coach, Monahan the, Memorial. The coach Larry Memorial. One of the one of the coals. One of the coals in the in there. But no, that was a lot of fun. Um all right. It is that time. Matt, I hope you've been doing these questions because uh, you've had plenty of time to come up with some questions. We're gonna, Andrew, we're going to put you on the hot seat. Okay. I know you've listened to some of the, some of the, the podcast episodes. We've got five questions. And, in fact, the last couple of weeks we've been opening it up. So we're going to have you ask us. Well, you're you're going to do one or two of the hot seat questions here for all of us. All right. 
So we're going to do five questions total. Matt, do you have one to start us off? I do. All right. Thank um, God, because I don't have one yet. What? Uh, so if you had to like put yourself or live in like a certain type of TV show, what one would it be? It can be anything. It could be like a like cartoon. Like live as a character or, or live like as just yourself? Be, or just be in that world. Just Ooh. be in that world. Yeah, like um, with the characters. I mean, my wife and I are huge Parks and Rec fans. Okay. We actually okay. we we had a couple of things at our wedding of like uh, treat yourself, and uh, <laughs> you know I love you and I like you was was part of our uh, wedding vows. So I'd have to say in the Parks and Rec universe. Okay. okay. Parks and Rec. You know, treat yourself with Tom and Donna. That's you right. Know. Treat yourself. Yeah. All right. Um, I still think that swag store was a great idea. That he, what was what was the oh, name rent of this? Rent a swag. Rent a swag. I still think that was a fantastic. That'd be a fantastic idea. Oh yeah. Um, a TV show that if I could insert myself in, hmm. You know what? I'm gonna go really, really old school and say married with children. I, 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 I could just see myself just as the Al Bundy character of that. Yeah. I mean, I just think I would be hysterical just to be in that, in that married with children, that functional, dysfunctional. It doesn't work, but it works. I, I, I think that would just. I thought be you were gonna say Ted Lasso. <sighs> I would. I was. Uh, I instantly thought. Instant you were regret. Uh, that's I where I had that brain fart. I should have uh, said Ted yes. Lasso. Uh, I should have said Ted Lasso. <laughs> yeah. That is Love that, that is, show. That is solid. Amazing show. Matt, is that your answer? Are you? Or... I was no. I'm gonna say Always Sunny. Right. Okay, another one. Yeah. Little dysfunctional, functional, more, not more, 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 more dysfunctional yeah, than functional. Extremely dysfunctional. <laughs> I would like to live with Charlie and uh, uh, Charlie and Frank, and just in the rat-infested apartment building, <laughs> eating cat food to fall asleep, <laughs> climbing through, uh, going through the ducks to get his will or whatever, yeah. so that he could change it. Yeah. With Charlie, who can't read or write. No. <laughs> I love the fact that. Um, the character who plays the waitress, like that he's infatuated with, that's his real life wife. Like those yeah. two actors are, I I love that. that and that. she plays so well, like the distaste yeah. that she has. For oh him. yeah, that's that's fantastic. That's great. All right, uh, question number two. Let's see. Uh, I'm gonna come up with one. All right, go to like uh, go to snack food. Not even snack food. Just go to you know I I, I got to catch a bus or I got to catch you know I got to catch a meeting real quick. Um, whether it's in the fridge, whether it's just going junk food, whatever, quick go to, like go to. I uh, hey, I got I got five minutes. I gotta I got just gotta grab this, make this quick sandwich or grab something to eat real quick. Go to food. So it's not at the house. It's usually like I'm on the way from work to practice, or I'm you know go, heading off to work. But I, I love a good apple fritter. Oh, okay. Tim, Tim Hortons has a great apple fritter. Yes, but they do. Also, Seven Eleven has good apple fritters. Underrated. Yes, underrated. And I love a good apple. I fritter. spend too much money on those, like a coffee and an apple fritter. So I, I'd have to say an apple fritter. Just any, any time of the day, it's perfect. Some you know, some places have not so great ones, like Wegmans. Sorry, but they have terrible apple fritters. Yeah. But Timmy Ho's, Seven uh, Eleven. Um, yeah, apple fritter. I'm going to kind of steal your answer, but a little different. I love a good apple fritter, and that's usually, at, especially at the 7-Eleven. I'm going to go, though, the honey buns. Yeah. Those little, the the, the frosted frosted honey buns. 
The unfrosted, eh, I guess, in a pinch. But I love the I love the frosted honey buns. Wait, it frosted just, or glazed? Frosted. Uh, frosted, I like. Glazed are okay. Too much frosting on yeah, gla- they glazed do. is just right. Yeah. But in the, when you need that little boost of energy too, that extra little <laughs> sugar shot. That's not a boost. That's like <laughs> listen for a couple for a little bit. It gives you that boost. You crash later, but hopefully you're crashing after practice. <laughs> and your heart's crashing during practice. Yeah. No, that's a couple of years later. Your heart's crashing. <laughs> you hope, <laughs> Matt. What's that go-to? That go-to quick snack, quick little in between practices, whatever. It's probably just like a fruit cup that I have somewhere in my fridge. All right, so Matt's going a little healthier in the in the juice. Yeah, and like the thick syrup, the like, thick syrup. Yeah, yeah. which is old gr- school. It like gross, and you're just like, I don't even use utensils. I just drink it. Yeah, I was, I was, I was gonna say, just, do you drink the syrup? I drink the syrup, of and then I just peel it back and just like dump the rest. You kind of just squeeze as much of the fruit in the as <laughs> while you I'm driving, yes. nonetheless. So half the time my head's tilted back. <laughs> it's terrible, but you know. And it makes me feel sick, but like people are like, well, what did you have today? I was like, I had fruit. I had fruit. And sugary, syrupy water. Hey, and there's times at Wilson Farms, they got the bananas on the counter. I'll grab a banana or did whatever. Did you just so say could... Wilson Farms? Sorry, 7-Eleven. It used to be Wilson Farms. I can't remember the last time I heard of Wilson I'm Farms. Old. I think it was better as Wilson I Farms. I have some of their work shirts because my sister used to work for them. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh. Like, they say Wilson you got to hook me up with a Wilson Farms shirt. If I could find it, I'll give it to you because it doesn't fit me anymore. <laughs> No, the set they got they got bananas in the counter every now and then. Yeah, so you can be like, hey, I I'll I'll grab a banana. With your apple fritter. With, or your honey bun. With my honey bun. Yeah. With my honey bun. Do you have glaze for this banana? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you just dip this banana in some sugar? Ew. <laughs> just put it around that rotisserie thing with the hot dogs. Let's get some flavor on it. Okay, Listen, if I see sugar dipped bananas now, I'm gonna be upset. Because that was my idea. Trademark. Yeah. What about Trademark. like the chocolate dipped bananas that they serve at like Disney? Nah, I didn't like those. That's I, I don't like my fruit in chocolate. Well, except for strawberries. All right, Andy. Do you got, uh, Andrew? Do you have a question yet? Yeah, actually, I was thinking about um, if you could be successful in any like obscure sport. Like maybe Ooh. you could go to the Olympics for this, but like it's a real like obscure thing. Kind of like on ESPN not, eight. Not, yeah, on the Ocho. The Ocho. The Ocho. Not, not like something that, like, oh, yeah, I played this as a kid. It was cool. But, like, I've never done it. But, like, that would be an amazing sport to be like, yeah, I'm an Olympic blank. Oh, I've got mine. If it? I'd be an Olympic curler. Okay. Curling champion. I, I We went once as a group of teachers. We just uh, – they had um, – it was over the border at um, in Niagara Falls, Ontario – and we went over there. It was it's a lot harder than it looks, but it was fun. But they did I, that at Canal Side, right? I do they? So. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I mean, this was years ago that we did it, but I if I could be an Olympic curling champion, that's so me. you're going Winter Olympics. I'm going Winter Olympics. Is I love the heat. The but Winter I'm, Olympics are like next week or like in February. Could be. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to the 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 curling championships out there, but no, I'm 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 going with the obscure curling. I feel bad to call it obscure. I, was say, I don't know if I'd call that obscure, but I, it'll, it'll still fit need, the criteria. Either that. If it's got to go more obscure, I can go cornhole. The cornhole champion. That's that's fairly obscure. That's that's Ocho level. All right. So that's, we'll go we'll go we'll go cornhole then. That's on the Ocho for sure. What about dodgeball? I don't, I don't even think that's like a real thing. Oh, okay. So this isn't my answer, but I love flipping through the channels, which I don't have cable, so I have to go to my in-laws, but 
flipping through the channels, and up came, I, f- I forget the name, it was like National Championship Tag. What? I've seen that. Like, like so, freeze tag tag? No, well, not freeze tag, but there's an op- it's basically parkour, and you're chasing somebody. So there's this obstacle course of like all these railings and steps, and you have to chase the other person. And I think it's at the end of the time limit, if you're it, you lose. Yeah. And it's one-on-one. And they're just chasing each other through this obstacle sick. course. It's insane. It's not my answer, but it is insane. Me you need to you need to Google world champ <laughs> world championship tag. Uh, I've got a new I've got a new thing to pass the time during my free time in school. I'm I'm looking that up. I'm I'm YouTubing that yeah. all day during my free time tomorrow. Definitely. <laughs> all right. Um. So I got cornhole. Matt, are I you guess up? Like dodgeball. Dodgeball. Okay. Hey, that started the Ocho, didn't it? I don't know. According to the movie Dodgeball, <laughs> that's kind of what I'm basing my answer off of. All right. So it's we got great. a cornhole champion, a dodgeball champion. So I'd have to go back to the, the elementary school days where you would play team handball. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's another – that's an Olympic sport, isn't it? So is that – It's becoming is that one. I mean, is it, it, but I it's said, been in the Olympics before, hasn't it? I don't know. Well, I thought. So it's not like – we don't participate, I don't think. I don't think that's the U.S. True. has a team, do they? Oh, I – I don't not know. not that high up if they did. Yeah, they, like you never see like Olympic handball or like USA handball team. You know, you don't fact, see them supporting Subway. You know what? The no. fact that we <laughs> don't know if we have a if the US has their own team, I'd say that makes it obscure. Yeah, but I mean, you know, when you got to gym class as a kid and you were playing team handball, oh, that was fantastic. Those are those are great days. That was fantastic, Except especially when you especially when you'd have the teacher who would let you play with like. The harder rubber balls instead of like the softer gator skin <laughs> gator balls. Ball, yeah. Oh man, you could have some fun with those. Getting all sweaty before math class, <laughs> and then you go in math class <laughs> and see like the well on one kid, and you'd be like, "That was me." Yeah. Listen, it's funny that you bring it up. Can I tell you? In uh, my junior year, I didn't. I was not a physics guy at all. I hated physics. So our phys- my physics class was right after my phys ed class. So there'd be times where I would go to physics class and fake an asthma attack. Like, I'd be like, Mr. Dross, I can't breathe. And I'd have, I'd have one, uh, one of my friends, Ann Contrabecki, she would walk me out, like, down to the nurse. And the first time I did it, she's, like, all concerned. She's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And, like, I'd get down the hallway, and I'd be walking normal at that point. She'd be like, are you all right? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's – so we'd just go – chill like maybe five ten minutes somewhere whatever come back but like i'm fine just to get out of like 10 15 minutes of class or i'd actually go to the nurse get sent home before so that i used i used that as a and i should not be saying this but i use that as an excuse to get out of eighth period physics class junior year from time to time sometimes more times than i should have wow i would just skip straight <laughs> up yeah but if you skip you get in trouble this one i never got least- caught they never took attendance. I mean, I don't know. I passed. <laughs> I'm here now. Yeah. I, graduated, I graduated high school like almost five, six years ago. So, I mean, they, they only took got them me. six years to graduate, but only. <laughs> I, I took the legally amount of time to get out of high school. <laughs> All right. So, question four. Matt, do you have anything? Question four. Um, I don't know. This is a weird one because I was having a conversation with one of the. Uh, fellow coaches at my gym. Um, if you were to be sponsored by Nike or Adidas, which one would you pick? Because we were talking about how Michael Jordan, back like when he was 
becoming famous. He wanted to be sponsored by Adidas, but wouldn't, and he did not want to be sponsored by Nike. And I don't know why, but I'm saying Adidas just because I like I I I like Adidas sneakers more than Nike. I like Adidas gear more than Nike, so I'm I'm rocking Adidas. I feel like they treat you well there. I gotta say, well, I feel like Adidas is geared more towards like the soccer. Very true. Very true. And this may be like a lacrosse bias, but for the longest time, Adidas was like trying to get into the lacrosse game and their jerseys were literally like soccer jerseys. You would see there was like maybe two or three D1 teams that would be sponsored by Adidas. And it literally looked like you had to peel their jerseys off of their skin. They were so skin tight and it looked dumb. Um, And so that like kind of, got me off Adidas, you know, even though Adidas is a you know German company, I'm, you know, I'm German, I like to support the homeland, but I, I'd have to go with Nike, you know, just from my lacrosse bias. Okay. Matt? Listen, if either Nike or Adidas would like to sponsor this podcast, feel free. Feel free. Nah, we'll, we'll... New Balance. <laughs> All the way. They Wait, make, you they can't make add a lacrosse third... cleats. No, I, I, was, I, 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 I don't know. Uh, I've always wanted to be sponsored by Nike. I don't know why. And it's funny because my one friend is like really Adidas person and I'm really Nike person. So I think it's just like that rivalry. Um, plus my favorite soccer player is sponsored by Nike and his is sponsored by Adidas. But there you go. I mean, for the most part, I just like the way Adidas clothes fit better. I feel like Nike makes too many like things that look bulky-ish. And again, it might be a bias because I'm a soccer player oh. that that tend to like it more like close yeah. yeah like i said i just always i think i guess it's gear. like a sport preference too it depends on where you're like getting yeah definitely for. Very i mean true. I'm, I'm honestly a bit more of like an under armor kind of guy but See, i, I never that really... wasn't one of the options yeah. i mean under armor is its own thing and i love under armor <laughs> i think they're like happily in the middle okay all right i never really got into the under armor you know i just when it was cold you just threw an extra layer on whatever happened like puma you remember puma they're, they're still puma. around I just not wasn't Adidas and, and the the founders of Adidas and Puma aren't they brothers? I think I think that's the story. That's what I thought. Like they one both the, worked together at Adidas. One of those worked together, yeah, and one and then split had, off had and, differences, and yeah, yeah. Sorry, pretty sure. Because I think that's why they both kind of stuck to soccer. Like Puma, I guess if you had to say Puma was into something, it was more into soccer. Well, right? and, and they're, yeah, they're it's very European centric. Yes. Like when I, I went, I went, I've been to Germany twice and Puma was very big over there. I bought a pair of shoes over there and it was, they were Puma and there was a lot of Puma logos, the, the Panther. Yeah. 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 So I guess it is just like more heavily influenced overseas. I yeah. guess yeah. we just don't see it here. No. Interesting. All right. Question number five, the last one. All right. Dome or no dome for the bills. No New Bill Stadium, no dome, dome or no dome? You're going no dome, really? Not even a question, not even a thought, just no, no dome? That's. I feel like that's helps us, and I feel like that just makes Buffalo Bills more Buffalo Bills. Listen, I, until I went to the Jets game last week, this past week, Sunday, I would have agreed with you after going and sitting at that Jets game. I don't want to hear hours. it. I went no. to I went to the no. all, the the uh, the whatever it's called the what is it called the Atlanta Falcons game. I went to that game oh. the week before. That game was cold and it was snowing, and I don't want to hear it. I was freeze. I'm my back still hurts. Oh my from gosh. being in the cold. I'm old, 
my back still hurts. So I'm I'm saying, give me the dome, give me the dome. I I I just. I don't buy into that whole more anymore. Oh, well, you know, it makes us tough. It makes us tough. It makes us tough. What about, all right, are we all talking about play- like pure dome or like retractable roof dome? Well, is it retractable? I mean, is, the only- is it actually going to retract? Because yeah. they're like, you know, what was it? Megatron, the Atlanta Falcon Stadium, whatever they call it. Oh, yeah, Megatron's like- butthole. Yeah. They nicknamed it. Because <laughs> like it opens up. Like, yeah, but, no. but it doesn't, though. It doesn't really yeah. open up. It just like it's like a skylight. And like, like you know, growing up in Pittsburgh, they had, oh, sh- this is so long ago. They had the the hockey arena was it the there. the igloo? Yeah, the igloo. The igloo. And that was supposed to be like this, you know, huge thing, like this retractable dome that it was broken. I was going to say, they, they don't, don't seem to work. They don't work. Or if they work, it takes so long to make it happen that they just don't do it. Fair. So, like, it, it actually has to, like, work and be able to, like, okay, yeah, it's going to be a nice day. Let's open it up. Not, oh, it might rain at halftime, so we're not going to open it up at all because it takes an hour. Yeah. yeah. And that's and I think people don't realize, but, like, oh, just click a button, and, yeah, it'll open in five minutes. No, it, yeah. it takes a while if they work at all. I mean, but no, I'm going dome. I, not not to get into like specifics, but like if it was a dome, they could do so much. Like there's Keep talk. Year well, there, long. yeah, there's there's talk of it. Like also having like a convention center attached to it. You could do all that, but you know, you also got to go with the whole. You know, you, you got teams like I don't know, like the the Jags or the Falcons or Dallas visiting, and they're used to these cushy domes or they're used to the warm weather. You know, you got. True. You got the Chargers that come to town, and they're used to this Cali weather. And, and you're we, like, we played in hey, all all time. I mean, LaShawn McCoy, great Eagle and Bill. He had that phenomenal rushing game in the snow. Yeah, like that is true. He's he 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 went to Pitt, and then was a was an Eagle and a Bill, and he knew yep. he knew how to run in the cold weather, and that that paid off really well for him. You got if Josh has the arm that he can he can throw through that fifty mile an hour wind. Like he went to school in Wyoming, they don't they have pretty crappy weather there. I mean that's a significant advantage. I don't necessarily think it's like oh it makes us tougher, but like you got other teams that are used to no wind, like. That's a that's a huge factor, and all of a sudden, like, you know, Mac Mac Jones isn't allowed to throw because there's a little <laughs> bit of wind. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, let's keep no dome. I guess I'll I'll just have to suck it up. I, mean, and, I haven't and been throw to a, extra layers on. I haven't been to a Bills game yet, so that's also <laughs> I don't have that kind of bias that you do. I'm, it was cold. I'm waiting. I want to. But it was not that bad. I was outside. I was like, I'd much rather gone to that game than the Atlanta Falcons. Were you game. in Orchard Park though? Because yeah, I was. My oh, girlfriend okay. lives like five minutes from the stadium, okay. <laughs> and I was just like, I'd much rather because or like the Atlanta Falcons game just sucked because they're like, oh yeah, the snow's going to calm down, nope. and then wind picked <laughs> it up, did not. and then it starts snowing more, and I was just like, I can't feel my face. <laughs> No, for me, it was just my toes were, like, numb, and I'm just – my back started hurt. I'm like I, – I felt like – Where were you sitting? Oh, row one on the 15-yard line. I picked them up, nice. like, literally – How much were those tickets? 55 bucks. Where would you get those? I literally went um, – scalper? No, on Ticketmaster. Literally, uh, I picked them up at 12.30, the day of the game, 12.30 Sunday. Uh... We just looked online, and it was – all right, fifty-five bucks each. Let's go. People are just trying to get rid of them. Yeah, and I've noticed yeah. that a lot. If you go day of I've now, heard of that. I'm too old to tailgate. My tailgating days are done. 
But if you if you just get up the day before or day of, I mean, we did it for the home opener where we got pretty good seats. We did it for the Houston game, one of the, the Pittsburgh game. We did it for that. That I mean, was the home opener. Or no, Pittsburgh, and then we did it. Maybe it was Houston, Washington, Washington, game. Pittsburgh, Washington game. I mean, down row three, fifty, sixty bucks. That's not bad. Not bad at all. All right, all right. That's the move. So that that's that's my little uh, my little tip there. You but, got you got to set up your day just assuming that you're going to go to the Bills game. Then. Oh yeah, yeah. I got I got to do that. I was going to try it for the playoffs, but I'm like, you know what? There's no way. There's no way, and it's going to be colder. I think they're expecting like single digit weather for Saturday's game. I'll sit in that all Which, day if I was asked to. If I was asked, but I'm very content sitting it in my living room, watching it on my TV with my chicken wing dip and chicken wings and pizza and all foods that I probably shouldn't be eating. But I'm very content Give doing that. those it. hand warmers, baby. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to end things there. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we're going to have to talk to, uh, you know, you can, we'll, maybe we'll even have you on with the manimal when he comes on here, but we'll, if not, we'll definitely make sure to say hi. Um, thanks for doing it though. Yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate you reaching out and let me come on. Like I said, I, you know, listened to a few episodes and I, I was going to reach out myself and be like, Hey, you know, can I stop by? Absolutely. You, you, you hit me up and I'm like, yes, absolutely. I'm not going to lie. Cause I was looking through, I was like, you know what? I was like, Andrew will be on. I was like, I don't know if he's going to have time to do it, but you know, I, I hope he'll say yes. So good. I'm glad. And you are more than welcome. Anytime to come back on. We're always looking for guests. Thank you. So gentlemen. anytime, anytime, Matt, as always, thank you for, uh, thank you again for getting me a fantasy championship this year. You're welcome. And um, we will see everybody next time. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, Matt, we might be starting a TikTok to advertise, but we'll talk about that later. No. (laughs) Good. Good. That's the right answer. All right. We'll see you guys, everybody, again next time on Stories from the Sideline.